Hi everyone, welcome to the Game Off Podcast. I'm Andy Paulo, aka Solid Talker, here with uh, Brent Langevin, aka Arcadia. And today we've got some exciting news. EA's got some really great surprises that they are just dying to tell us about. Um, and we're going to be talking about our matchup today, Superland and Void Bastards. But before that, we've got our new segment that our producer Divya has ensured us we can get the rights to the song Knowing Me, Knowing You. So we're going to jump right into that. All right. Let's let's see what she's got for us. Uh, again, these are questions we haven't seen prior to this moment in time in the year of our Lord, 2019. Um, whatever today's <laughs> date is. I'm not going to pretend I know. All right. Episode 7. <laughs> Avatar's sequel. She spelled sequel wrong. So I assume she wa- she has she wants to know our opinions on sequels to Avatar. So like we're talking about the the movie or like Legend of Korra sequels to Avatar. <laughs> was uh, was there only one season of uh Korra? Oh wait, no, I that's don't... a sequel to Avatar. I follow you. Right. Yeah, that I'm, that's I'm hip with the I'm animes. guessing she means sequels to the the is it still the biggest movie ever made? Um, I think Endgame is going to surpass it pretty soon, if it hasn't already, at least in uh, U.S. dollars. Oh, that's right, because Endgame's getting that re-release with new footage. That's going to blow it out. Yeah. If you can yeah. even count that as all part of the same... I mean, that's cheating, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say about Avatar is, like, for it to do what it did and be its own, like ip like out of nowhere like the script written and everything completely fresh like it's pretty goddamn impressive even for james cameron Uh, you know i i will say right off the bat that i have difficulty answering this question because i've never seen avatar so (laughs) i i have one of those eight people yeah i'm one of those eight people and this wasn't a like a conscious i'm not gonna go see avatar it was more of a I just kept expecting to see it with someone. So like I'd expected that, I, oh, I'm probably going to see it with my dad. So when people asked me to go see it, like, no, no, I told my dad I'd go see it with him. And <laughs> then that didn't end up happening. So then like it just became so long that uh, yeah, I just never got made up. Or are you telling a heartbreaking story of your dad blowing you <laughs> off for the movie? No, this is, this is real. This is a real thing that happened. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I had some kind of semi-concrete plans to see it, so I blew off everyone else who was asking me if I wanted to see it. At which point, the the original plans of my dad, for some reason, didn't happen. One of us was sick, or snow, or whatever it was, and now there was no one to see it with, for at least to have that, like, both seeing it for the first time experience. And uh, at that point, I yeah, just, like, the the momentum of my excitement was gone, and I never ended up seeing it. Huh. And now it just seems like the kind of thing that I'm not going to sit in my basement and watch it on a 42 inch Samsung, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a big part of it was the spectacle of the whole thing. Right. And that's I what guess. I was excited for. Yeah. It's one of the few movies that could actually justify being in 3d. So, and now no one owns a 3d TV or a 3d <laughs> Blu-ray player. So it's sort of, it's definitely past its prime. So, um, I mean, I'm all for sequels to Avatar. You know, it sounds great. I, I, for anyone, I bet you if they do a sequel for Avatar, if and when that happens and the release is coming up, they'll do a re-release in theaters of the original, and then maybe they'll get a chance to finally see it. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be a good way to see it. Um, yeah, I mean the, the thing, the thing with it is, uh, is like there's. They've already pre-planned like four sequels to one movie. <laughs> it just feels weird. Like, I, I know it's super successful and I know James Cameron's a smart guy, but like at some point he's going to hand it off to somebody else and it's going to turn into like uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom where it's like their, their, their plot line is, well, what if everything blows up? And then <laughs> James Cameron's probably dead at this point and rolling in his grave. Um, I, I mean, I, I, so I'm one of these people that didn't really like Avatar that much. Like it was a spectacle. I didn't see it in 3d. I saw it. I saw it in like, a, you know, 1080p on like a good, good TV. I saw it. I didn't see it in the movies, but like, 
other than like the the spectacle of it, it was like the story was meh. Like I don't like I get the, like I get the universe that James Cameron was trying to build, and I, I can see maybe some other plot lines, but it wasn't this this like mind blowing universe sort of like uh, I don't know. I, I always think of cyberpunk, so forgive me, everyone. But it's not this universe <laughs> where I see like infinite possibilities for storytelling. It's sure. Like, like James Cameron told Dances with Wolves, but with blue people. Um, <laughs> so, and it was it was fun. Um, so I, I'm curious. I don't want to naysay the whole thing. But, you know, if, if, he, if anyone can do it, James Cameron can. So, hooray. <laughs> Okay, so you know, take that that little snippet of information, use that to further align yourself, listener, with either Brent or myself as the person that you feel more comfortable listening to their opinions on. <laughs> yes, who has more handsome opinions on Avatar? And then, uh, so for mine, I've got. Uh, how do you feel about key lime pie? Oh, this this comes up again. <laughs> I, I jokingly. I jokingly tweeted that to you the other day on one of our threads mm-hmm. on Twitter. Follow us, guys. Um, we, have, we have some of the hottest takes on there. <laughs> I I really like key lime pie. The thing is, the thing that I my argument was that it's not a fucking pie. So the the whole it, it's more of a naming thing, sort of like people that think like tacos and hot dogs are sandwiches. Like go go to hell. Um, okay, no, no, let's, let's, let's it, step this does it back. Make them <laughs> let's step this part? back and to just to which criteria of pie does this not fit for you? Just out of my own curiosity. I'm not well, saying whether I agree or disagree with you. I just want to know where you're, what line you're drawing. I think, uh, I think that it's a cake and I think that it's closest relative is a cheesecake. And I think a cheesecake is justifiably a cheese cake or a cake cake. Um, it's like a, a pie is very distinctly, you know, crust, crispy, crusty with things inside. Like you layer it and then you have a filling key lime pie. Right. It's the, the, the key limes all exposed. Like maybe there's crust on the bottom, but the rest of it's just out in the open, like a filthy cake So do you not consider pumpkin pie a pie? No, same criteria. It's okay. The pie, the pie's a lie. Okay, so, and the same would would be for like a coconut cream pie. You would not consider that as well, because yeah, it's yeah, basically same. just putting it's putting in a in a pie shell. Exactly. Yeah. Put put okay. some crust on top of it, and you got a pie. Or so, yeah. So if if I made again, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just trying to further understand. Yeah. No, we're writing the rules right now. I got you. Yeah. If I if I made a a coconut cream pie and I put a top over it, it would be a pie to you. With if it was a pie crust, if you just put yes, like a, pie a sheet of paper, then obviously we, we'd have problems. But if if I took it, I put you know a nice lattice work pie crust over the top of essentially set coconut cream custard there in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. That, okay. Do you discount open like berry pies? Like a, um, like a cherry pie that does not have a top? Yeah, I would I would think so. I think you got a you got a berry cake at that point. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> that strong opinion. Is, Sorry. Th- no, there's 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 a lot to unpack there. I don't think we have the time. <laughs> I it, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you disagree? What do you, what are your well, uh, strong opinions I, on pies? So there was a time about 7 years ago where I got into a shouting match with someone at work about whether or not Snickers pie was pie. What is a Snickers pie? A Snickers pie is like it's got chocolate, caramel, peanuts, sometimes like a peanut butter drizzle on top. But it's like a chocolate pie with uh, caramel and peanuts and stuff like that over the top. And usually okay. does not have a top to it. Hmm. And there was a, uh, a very loud shouting match in the office at around <laughs> 9 a.m. 
of uh, just screaming about whether or not Snickers pie was a pie. And so, you know, I, I've, I've definitely, I'm still reeling from, from that moment then <laughs> and, and how out of hand it had gotten. Well, I, I don't want this to be a really emotional episode. So no, no, you don't need to relive it. I'm a fan of the dessert named as key lime pie. <laughs> I, Formerly known as. I, you know, t- I'm taking a very diplomatic approach here. <laughs> if you were to hand me a slice of what is commonly known as key lime pie, I would thank you and I would enjoy it heartily. Um, oh, yeah. I like graham cracker crust a lot. I think that's tasty. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that can be used to a lot of good effect, like in a key lime pie. Mm-hmm. But I, I disagree with you on your definition of pies. But I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. It's like the Supreme Court in pornography. I could not tell you where that line <laughs> is for when it stops being a pie and starts being frosting in a pie shell. Yeah. Or, you know, some, I, I don't know where that is because cheesecake is a weird one. I've seen people put, you know, you see people put the graham cracker crust in a cheesecake, but, I, you know, it's it's weird. I'm, I'm gesticulating everywhere because I don't know how to put into words these... <laughs> These things that are very clear in my mind. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can we can dedicate an entire n- new podcast to this. Yeah. To, Tie to, off. Welcome to, to the, defining, the off network. We'll solve these these issues. The hot dog <laughs> is a sandwich. Key lime pie and other desserts. Really delineating them. I I think I think you calling it a cake is really a, a stretch. Oh. But that's. Well. It's for another day. It's, it's for another <laughs> podcast. Gonna, some other day. Adversarial episode of Game Off. Ever yeah. Recorded. Oh, yeah. It's going to get bad. <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I think well, of all the things that we've talked about so far, people listening are going to hear that, this discussion right here, and they're going to know immediately which one of us they want to hear from and which <laughs> yeah. one of us they never want to hear from again. Cause they can say that Andy was so wishy-washy. He <laughs> refused to take a stand during Brent's nonsense. <laughs> I can't listen to him. I can't take him seriously. <laughs> yes. And, and Brent just, just drools diarrhea about <laughs> something about pies. Like do they have to be green anymore. I don't know. What's, what's this country come to? Right, well, let's um, move on yeah, to the so, news. Yeah, so anyways, uh, to our new listeners, this is a video game podcast. Uh, yep. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to get to that now that we're in our 13th minute. Uh, do you want to start with our, our big story or the, the big exciting news today? Or do you want me to take that? Yeah, I, I, I'll jump at it. Yeah. Um, so, so this week, uh, the, the big news, and we're going to cover it too, because I'm sure we got some interesting opinions on this. The big news is EA going in front of the UK parliament and trying to qualify loot boxes as fun surprises. Um, I have the direct quote here that we can read in a moment, but basically EA is trying to justify to the UK parliament that the, the loot box culture in all their games is completely ethical. Um, to which most people would decry as insanity, especially since they've kicked off the whole debate with their own game, Battlefront 2. Um, and now we're seeing sort of this this whole thing peak. Yeah, and they've... One of the things that I really enjoyed... I don't know if you watched Jim Sterling's video on it. He, he had his... I have not. He, and I mean, as far as pundits in the gaming sphere who have had a few things to say about loot boxes he's a good one to go to but he pointed out that that the uh, reply from ea the very first thing they said was a lie in that she says that they don't like to call them loot boxes and we don't call them loot boxes <laughs> and you can find you know and he, jim sterling points out the when they did the big announcement for jedi fall jedi uh, fallen order how it wouldn't have loot boxes in it <laughs> "Quote unquote loot boxes, right? And then if you do, you and then I, I since then have gone and if you just search on their website, they're referenced constantly in support forums and pages where 
they're being referred to by their customers and by their support agents as loot boxes. So like to, just to pretend <laughs> that sure they're on loot their box, too. Yeah. To pretend like loot box is a term that is, Oh, well we don't call them that. That's a weird term. Like, and not like <laughs> that's the term. This is what they're called. Everyone yeah. in the industry calls them this. Yeah. You can't just yeah. suddenly decide that because it's got a bad connotation. Now that's not what it ever was. Right. It's like, like LA calling homeless people, housing deprived people. Right. Like, oh, we don't have a homeless problem. We have a problem with people being deprived of houses. <laughs> so, oh, well then that sounds fine then. Yeah. It doesn't sound like yeah, an issue you know, at all. You know, I rent too. I got this. I, I know that struggle. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm abs. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be shocked because they're in front of a governmental body. But what I really wish, because I watched through that the 15 minutes or so, I wish that they had people in there who were better, more knowledgeable about the subject to come back at them. Because in all of these hearings, in the ones I've seen in the United States, anytime they talk about things with video games or tech in general, it seems like they've got one or two questions and they don't know how to follow up on them. And yeah, it's not like EA was sending their best. And that that's the scariest thing. So this comes from EA's legal and government affairs VP. This isn't just some like council that they hired to cover their asses in the UK. This is someone that they employ and they're, they're <laughs> the, the quote that's gotten them into all the fire is as follows. Oh, right. We didn't even use that line. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well cover our bases. So, that, that is what we look at as surprise mechanics in reference to loot boxes. It is important to look at this. If you go to, I don't know what your version of Target is, a store <laughs> that sells a lot, a lot of toys and you do a search for surprise toys, you'll find that this is something people enjoy. They enjoy surprises. It is something that has been part of toys for years, whether it is Kinder Eggs or Hatchimals or LOL Surprise. <sighs> Is this not like the most tone deaf fucking statement you ever heard? The man doesn't even know what stores they have in the country that he's like giving his appeal. And and since Belgium, I think Belgium was the first one to, to actually put anything into law or attempt to put anything into law, uh, you know, whatever, six, eight months ago. But since yeah. Belgium made their thing, they've had all of this time to try and really formulate a good argument. <laughs> they've had all of this time to try and put together something coherent. And this is the best that they've got is surprise mechanics. And, and they're used like referring to Kinder eggs and Hatchimals. And like those arguments have already been done to death on any forum you go to that discusses loot boxes for years. People have been trying to, yeah. people have been arguing that it's not the same as Kinder eggs. It's not the same as magic, uh, you know, create trading card booster packs and just nothing yeah. like there's still, I don't know if it's just hubris or laziness or the fact that governmental <laughs> bodies aren't pushing back on it, but it's just like, it feels like I'm reading the transcript of a conversation that, you know, a, a conversation I, I had on Reddit five years ago. I, I know. I mean, let, let's break that down for a second. Like, what what are you getting from a, a Kinder Egg or a Hatchimal or a booster pack of Magic Cards? You're getting something tangible in your hands that has <laughs> a fucking resale value. Or you're getting goddamn chocolatey goodness. And then also a toy. Like, you're getting, you're getting something. You're not just gambling. Like, there's a reason that you don't go into... Uh, a casino with fake chips, which is essentially what you're buying loot boxes with. And then you're letting a 12 year old put, you know, $500 on black and he could very easily walk out of that hall with nothing. Yeah. It's, it's such a tone deaf and willful misunderstanding of the situation because like, it's the only situation I can think of where, you can win and lose at the same time where you can, because if it's a, if it was, if they, if they compare it to something like Kinder eggs versus get like, I'm trying to think of even an analog in gambling where like I could win a hand of blackjack, but because I had won on 18 previously, I actually still don't get paid. 
<laughs> like, yeah. whoops, you, you've already won. You've already won on that before. Like, it's yeah. I don't. We, did, we didn't block it out for you. We still let you put your money on eighteen. We just had no right. intention of paying you out for it. Right. <laughs> it's, it's sorry. You sh- you should have just done different. I I I can't I can't even put into words how frustrating it is, because it's, it's just it's so lazy on their part, and I feel like really competent people questioning them, people who were invested and done a lot of research in loot boxes as as a cultural thing and as mm-hmm. a part of gaming culture i feel like they could have really made them look super stupid and now all we have is them having accident accidentally or intentionally made themselves look super stupid <laughs> like <laughs> but we God. don't have some regulatory body or some legislator really pounding in on them on how their arguments are lazy and poorly founded <laughs> no, that's that's a really good point too. Because I, I don't know anything about the oversight committee that heard these appeals, but they probably heard this and they were like, "Uh, okay, I, I don't play magic cards. I'm 65. <laughs> I don't see the difference." Um, I, I and I will just as a, as a quick side note, I've I've done some searching in um, online and I can't find anyone prior to this year. Use, referring to loot boxes in any way as surprise mechanics <laughs> like th- that term I, I can't find it as I can see it in use like referring to aspects of video games but nothing that would be nothing that could even be you know cons- uh, liberally referred to or considered as loot boxes it's all yeah. like everything I'm finding is there's nothing here I can't find any record of it being used to refer yeah. as a because it's horseshit now. Yeah, because she <laughs> just until, made it up. Yeah, like up until it was recognized as gambling by the European Union, they were fine calling it loot boxes. And then as soon yeah. as as soon as they got that tag, they're like, "Oh shit, we got to get crafty." Yeah, oh, it's t- it's time, boys. Loot well, boxes said, sounded cute. They said, "Oh shit, we got to get crafty." And then they woke up that morning and did it on the bus on the way to school. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the the real frustrating part of it is they didn't even try. Yeah. You didn't insert even insert a photo of this guy reading off his hand from smudged <laughs> pen marks. <laughs> Surprise mechanics. Genius. <laughs> you guys buying this? Is that good? It's surprise mechanics? Yeah. You guys oh, aren't arguing with horse. me? Okay, Easy. we're going to go forward with it. <laughs> Yeah, and I, it, it's it's important to be critical about this too, because like EA, EA obviously doesn't have great reputation on the internet, and I, I I don't I don't like to bag on them for every stupid decision that they make, but this is this is like gross. Like I read this and I was like, oh man, like you lost whatever goodwill you've been trying to build up for the last two years, dudes. Oh, and the thing is, and I I, I have this note I for, forgot until now they the FIFA and Madden loot boxes made them $1.1 billion last year, 21% of their total revenue and half of their live service. Another great buzzword revenue (laughs) was just from FIFA and Madden blind packs. Like live service is going to be one of those like trigger words soon too. It it sounds cute, but all that mean it means is like monetization on top of, the game you've already sold. Right. Like, yeah, it's ultimate team is the only reason that FIFA is like as big as it is for EA. Like, would they be putting it out every year just to sell copies of FIFA? No, they want to give people another reason to reinvest in ultimate team or transfer their teams and pay more like whatever that their system is. And I've noticed as I, I go to TJ Maxx a lot being, you know, an adult, (laughs) Uh, sure. be, being an being an adult male with a family, I spend a lot of my time at TJ Maxx. Yeah, yeah, you've got that look, to look forward to. And <laughs> one of the things I noticed is since the kind of advent of this more live service microtransaction thing, sports games have been making their way into TJ Maxx faster. I've seen copies of uh, just yesterday. Actually, saw a copy of NBA Two K eighteen at TJ Maxx. And I'm, I was thinking back to the 2000s, how long it took for those older sports games to get go down in price. Did it, you it see was, that 
NBA 2K19 was on sale for $3. That's the current iteration of NBA 2K19 for $3 oh. during everyone's uh, everyone's E3 sales. I don't... So that's like... Uh, it probably goes along with what you're saying. Like, it, they're... Either they're trying to get people into this live service marketplace or, like, the physical copies with the massive blossom of digital distribution like have sort of like thrown off uh physical distribution completely like <laughs> yeah. just like overproducing on physical copies too yeah just get get as many of them out there as you can get get yeah. everything you can out there just get people into this ecosystem yeah, and rain on concrete and then make sure you put on another one next year because even though it's even though that's a it's a different roster and now we can get people to spy more blind packs for the same you, the same people they had in the last game, but mm-hmm. just do it again, start the cycle over again. Yeah, there's, there's a reason a lot of big games going free to play, like Destiny. Like, yeah, just get get it in everyone's hands and let them be stupid with their money because there's yeah. no regulations around it. <laughs> now, what what would you need to? It's just just fun games, just just fun games, just just video just fun games. games. It's yeah, not, not a serious business. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess we'll uh, move on to our our showcase game off battle here showcase the week what are the games andy the games we've got are superland and void bastards two kind of more indie titles this week which i'm excited about we figured uh because of all the e3 hype and how busy we've been you know live tweeting for the last eight days straight we do some indie games uh kick it off for us okay so i'll give you the general idea of what supra superland is i'd never heard of this prior to it coming out Superland is an open world first person puzzle game. It has a, kind of a, a slight narrative going through it. You are living in a world that was basically, it's basically in a sandbox made by a child. So all the buildings mm-hmm. and everything and the people are made out of these red and blue people made out of clay that look like they're kind of cut out with a, a gingerbread man cookie cutter. And things are made out of, you know, toy screwdrivers and upturned buckets and things like that. Very clearly made by a child. And scaled down to that fact. So if you ever played any of those Counter-Strike or Quake or Unreal Tournament levels where you're tiny in a giant kitchen, (laughs) it kind of has that feel to it. It is, as as, as far as story goes, it's I'd say it's pretty weak. The story is just kind of eh, whatever. But as far as puzzle mechanics go and just general first-person puzzle gameplay, it's I would say it's the best one I've ever played. I would I say I would say it tops Talos Principle, Witness, Cube, even Portal 1 and 2 as far as just sheer puzzling. Okay. In, in and difficulty, I, I love all of those of puzzles. In, in quality and ingenuity of puzzles. Okay. A, a, and I think one of the the big things, and I, I spent in preparation for this, I spent a while trying to figure out how to explain the ingenuity of the puzzles because I don't want to spoil any of it for anyone listening. Mm. This is this is what I got. I, I spent probably about half an hour trying to put this together to figure out how to explain the way because <laughs> the game introduces mechanics and then builds on them organically and almost never is handing you a like, hey, you just picked up this and this is what you can do with it. Hmm. it. It orchestrates situations where you accidentally realize things can happen. So like, the, the, here's my the best explanation I've come up with. So imagine you start off and you've got a red key which can open a red door. And then you find a green key that opens a green door. And then you realize by sheer accident that if you drop your green key from a decent height, it actually breaks in half into a blue key and a yellow key. Oh. And then you find out that if you take the yellow key and put it on top of the red key and jump on both of them, it creates an orange key. What? And then you find out that if this is all hypothetical, none of this is actually in the game, but this style of building, then you find out that your keys can float. So that you can th- toss them in a river, so they wash downstream to another place where an NPC can, behind a locked door, <laughs> can pick them up and open the door for you. Then oh, you cool. run so to you a huge beast. Oh yeah, there's NPCs that you interact with and that you're trying to help do different things. Nice. Then you've got a puzzle with a huge beast that isn't taking damage 
from you, but if you can throw the key into its mouth, it'll take damage because 20 minutes earlier, it was worked into dialogue very organically several times that the keys are actually made of poison. <laughs> and that's all organically worked into dialogue where you don't, it, it's not an obvious like highlighted in blue made of poison and repeated over and over again, but just you're in an area yeah. where the theme is the keys are made of poison. <laughs> Navi doesn't jump in I'm like, Hey, what right. the hell are you doing? Then you come across a white door and you don't have any white keys, but you realize that if you kill an NPC next to the door, his blood splatters on it. And now it's a red door <laughs> and you've got a red key to open that. And then you've got a pink door. Game. Uh, yeah, you've got a pink door and you can't open the pink door with you don't have a pink key, but the machine that generates the red keys is in the middle of the desert. And if you don't pick up the red key automatically or immediately, it starts fading in the sun into a pink key. Hmm. Like <laughs> it's that level of just really organic. And like in the last example of the, the, the thing in the desert, you would only ever notice that. Oh, you'd only ever realize that if you let it sit there for a second. But if the machine is constantly generating them anyways, you're going to kind of notice it eventually after right. trying a couple other things. So it's yeah. If you walk away or something. Yeah. You walk away, you come back and oh shit, that's actually getting lighter in the sun. Yeah. That's the way their puzzle design worked. And throughout the entire game up until the final boss puzzle, they're just coming up with new ways to use your existing mechanics that you, even though they're kind of hand feeding it to you and, and forcing you down this path you don't see the way that they forced you down there mm. and so it feels like you're just making these amazing discoveries of oh shit it can do this oh my god and you get these abilities that are handed to you that allow you to interact with things that you didn't even realize were interactable <laughs> parts of scenery that suddenly now become you know things that you know like if you found out suddenly that that you have uh, a magic laser that will let you shrink or grow the size of any item that's red and so it's just something that's given to you and now you think back to this open world game of all the red objects you had seen and how those could have been shrunk or grown to uh, allow you access to different areas so i'm having a little trouble picturing the game itself you 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 describe the the art style is this all first person uh like witness or yeah, it's a, it's a first-person game. Um, it plays because there are there is some combat. There are enemies that run around. You do have a couple of weapons to fight them with. Okay. Um, you have like a sword and, and other things. And the combat's garbage. <laughs> it, I don't. I think it very much detracts from the game anytime it's in there. Uh, I don't think it's fun. But it's also not really there enough that it, it ruins the game experience. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think so it's don't sort of like Minecraft first person combat. Yes, that's actually a very good explanation or a very good analog for it. It's you know, you've got a, you've got a sword and other things. You're flailing them around and you hit stuff Hoping and it eventually the dies. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so it, it's it's there. It's not it's competent, but it in no way adds to the game. And frequently when it came up, it was. Just, oh, OK. All right. Do this and this and this. OK, back to puzzles. Mm. Awesome. So yeah, that's that's the general gist of it. It's just a really phenomenally designed puzzle game, and I can't, if you like puzzle, if you like that portal style of you're just presented with a with this this puzzle, and you just kind of have to work through it yourself. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend it enough. I, I hope this game sold a billion, and it's got a free demo on Steam, and it's a, it's a long demo. There you go, guys. Check it the fuck so out. Check it the fuck out. <laughs> now tell us about Void Bastards. Yeah. Um, Void Bastards, I, I don't know if there's a demo. but So, similarly, it's a first-person game. It's mainly... It's it's not a story-based game. It's mainly a roguelike game. Um, if people are familiar with roguelikes, it essentially means uh, there's a permadeath mechanic and you're trying to build on... Um, your the experiences of your former life uh it's, it's a sort of a bird's eye view but essentially you're a you're a reanimated prisoner you've basically been dehydrated into a bag and <laughs> <laughs> and when this uh I, I forget what this the explanation is for it but essentially you're you're being put through your paces 
trying to survive and get out of escape this nebula. And so you, you start and basically you're jumping from ship to ship, trying to scavenge, um, scavenge parts to make your arsenal stronger, scavenge food, because obviously flying through space, you need food and fuel, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that I really liked about the game was like next to nothing gets in the way of what the game's trying to do. Like when you're, uh, when you're playing through each level, basically you're only in the over map for as long as it takes for you to craft something really quick or build a weapon. Um, and then you're right back in another, another ship or you're, you're trying to avoid space whales or pirates in the star map and scavenge more, more, um, more parts and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, like I said, the story there's, there's next to no story. So nothing really gets in the way of it. It's, it's more of a gameplay oriented sort of game. So there's not really much more to say about it in the overview. Um, I, I can s- uh, speak a little bit stylistically before the we go over the, the, the design of the game, but it's it's a very very beautiful game. It's sort of cell shaded and it's presented uh, with a very heavy handed comic book styling. Um, every cutscene sort of uh, goes sort of, um, I don't know, what are they called in comic books? Just compartment by compartment, essentially panels. Panels. That's it. Yeah. So it's it's, it's a panel based storytelling. Um, it, you're in this 3d world. Um, all of the enemies have really cool, uh, sprites because they're actually 2d. So when they turn, you know, 45 degrees, you're just seeing like a different 2d version of the same model. Um, so it looks it, it, it very stylistically pleasing. Um, I, I guess I'll save everything else for the, the next categories because there really isn't much more to say in there. Why, why don't you just go and I, I want to I think it's probably worth pointing out that this is I think with the first instance we've had so far where at the time of recording you and I had both played that game mm-hmm. yeah, so which I've been if you just, have any yeah well and I, I think it's also for you because I went a bit beyond the general scope <laughs> the scope of my initial thing so if you want to just jump right into gameplay in the rest of you know, the next category with with void bastards yeah it sure. probably makes sense. But I think the the humor is definitely I think one of its biggest as far as just style. Oh, that one of the, the biggest selling points of the game is that it has this very kind of dry British humor to it. Yeah, yeah. Every every time one of the prisoners dies, um, they're they're all very nonchalant about it. Um, the the AI that sort of guides you is like, oh, you're you're your for our former client left all these things for you. He was in a rush to get out and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and all the uh, I, my favorite thing was um, every time you reanimate, it tells you what your crime was. And, and one of them was something ridiculous, like le- left out on the left clothes out on the drying line for too too many days or something like that. <laughs> His punishment was like like 10 years since. <laughs> Stuff like that. Like the more you dive into it, it's hilarious. There's a lot. A lot of the uh, traits that get generated for each playthrough that you do have that kind of humor to them as well. I got one where I was overly formal, and so I referred to everyone by their last or everyone by their proper name. So instead of like you know uh, janitor, it said like Mister Stevens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. And I think I think all of the turrets were referred to as like Mr. Shooty or something like that. Mr. Shooty. <laughs> I, I didn't get this one. That's amazing. Oh, it's great. It's a great one. I got another <laughs> one where you you always found a packet of biscuits in the room in the uh, lunchroom by the tea kettle. Like that was just that was your trait. You always had that little bit of food there. Oh my god. I did not. That's hilarious. Um yeah, yeah. So to to jump on that, um, I mean, the gameplay is it's essentially a survival game. Um, since it's a first person game, you're mainly shooting. One of the things I didn't like about the gameplay was that there was no melee. I, I can see why they did it. There's also no jumping. The lack of melee definitely felt because at first, especially ammo is such a rare commodity. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I felt very gimped by a lack of melee. Yep. 
my yeah my first three or four playthroughs i was i ran out of bullets left and right and then after that it was like they were just raining from the sky so it was okay but the game wants the game does not want you to play through with one prisoner it very much wants you to die as most roguelikes do yeah yeah Uh, you're playing a you're you're redoing those first three ships a lot yeah one of the things I thought was pretty weak about the game too was the the stealth mechanic. I yeah, it felt really shoehorned into the game. Like I never f- felt like I should be stealthing and every time I was I would still fail because usually usually when you're stealthing you're trying to avoid something maybe because you have like a lack of bullets or something, but um every time I had to do it it was like it was through a room that was completely chock full of enemies and there was 0% chance of me getting through that area without being saw seen in attack. So my, my primary, um, the, my primary deference f- or deferral from bullets was always just to sprint through the entire map, grabbing things and then run back to the ship. That was kind of my biggest frustration with it as well. Was that there didn't often seem to be a lot of benefit to fighting things. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like just running through. I run in this room, grab everything you can, run out, because you can lock the door behind you and let it slow them down, and just keep moving through the ship as quickly as possible. Yeah, most enemies don't drop loot, so there's no point in killing them. I mean, if they do drop loot, it's usually pretty crummy. I I think (laughs) in one ship they were all like uh, predestined to drop money, but they were dropping one dollar each, which can't buy you shit. Yeah. 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 Not really all that helpful. Yeah. Um, so like with the lack of bullets, like you, you, the main reason you're killing enemies is to clear them out so that they're just out of the way. But they also, most of them didn't do enough damage other than the turrets to be a real problem. So like you said, you could just sprint through a zone where you can, and you can see good, uh, uh, an important thing to say is you can see where loot is on the mini map. So you can, you very easily just sprint from item to item and get the fuck out. Enemies don't chase you that far. Um, so I, if the gameplay loop for me sort of got stale after a while, cause I, I thought that, you know, I would start to feel more comfortable with combat and then like, there would be a reason to get in combat more, but that sort of never happened for me. I think that's probably a, a good, just general synopsis of my issue with the game was that, Often I found myself like looking at the things that I could do next next and not feeling compelled or like there was a reason to do any of them. Yeah. It got to a point where I of I had a bunch of things that I could theoretically like I was one part away from building on my little build table and I wasn't excited or interested in any of them. Yeah. None of them felt like they were going to be the thing that oh finally I can take on this thing. <laughs> finally I'm able to get past that barrier of a door I couldn't unlock or a ship I couldn't survive in long enough or an enemy I couldn't, it was just, okay, this is better. This gun does slightly more damage mm-hmm. or this gun does more damage, but in a spread, but the fighting isn't, I still don't really feel compelled to fight things. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Cause it, it got to a point where I would be hovering over ships too, that where it very clearly says like, there's a part here that you can use to build something like maybe not yet, but it's a valuable part and you should stop here. And also you're about to be starving to death. And I would be like, <laughs> like, eh, like I don't really want to like, this is sort of when I stopped playing the game. It's like, I, you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not invested in building towards my next playthrough with any of these items. Um, I'm just, I was just zerging all the story items and just pushing it as as far as I could going out of my way to avoid space whales and space pirates. Um, So yeah, the, the mechanic, like you said, the, the skill tree, the, the item trees, whatever you want to call them, sort of got whatever midway to late into the game. Um, the, The gameplay loop itself gets a little stale just because, you're, it, it stops being a survival game, but and it but it never really becomes anything else. Yeah, it's there's a really good game in there somewhere because like the style, the humor, the writing, and, and the general just feel of going through that was all great. But it just it, it needed 
something pushing me forward. Yeah. It wasn't so, like like an FTL where, you know, I felt like I have to try again. I have to go through that again. I have to I know I can do better this time if I yeah. just do this one thing. And then maybe that's what it was is that I never felt like I was doing things differently from playthrough to playthrough. I was never getting new things because you're never you don't really pick up stuff new stuff every run. Mhm. So there's a good there's a very high likelihood that f- run runs 6 through 12 all have the same equipment that you're running through. So that's a good point. I, like it's I didn't feel like I needed to do another run to see what else was there cuz it was going to be the same as it was last time and I'm not going to get much further than I did last time so I'm not going to see a new enemy type. <laughs> just I'm going to try and get this one item and maybe I'll get it and if I don't I'll just go again. Mm. Yeah, this this is quickly turned into bagging the game. I will say that I, yeah, I did it, really enjoy it, but yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, more to your point. Uh, yeah, every time I died, I didn't feel like it was my fault. Like it, it certainly was sometimes, but I think half of my deaths were to space whales, and then I was like, oh, I just didn't look that far in advance on the nebula map, and I fucked up. Like, stuff like that that didn't make me be like, oh, I fucked up. I need, I know how to fix it. I can do this better. It was like, oh, that sucks. And that's, I think, what it is, is that... And I want to be clear, I did like Void Bastards a lot. I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I put probably 12, 13 hours into it, mm-hmm. just dicking around with it. But there was never that moment of... Oh, I know what I did wrong this time. I got to do it again. Yeah. That a good, a good roguelike has something like yep. rogue legacy or, um, what was the one we just say FTL or even into the breach mm-hmm. that just like, okay, I, I know what I can do it better this time. I know I can. Mm-hmm. And I just never had that with, with, with void bastards, unless it was, oh, I can do it better this mm-hmm. time because I got the item that I needed to upgrade that gun. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll be more this time, right? Or or a game like Dead Cells, which like um, be- yeah, oh between... god, that's a much better <laughs> <laughs> between playthrough to playthrough. Like it, it is still the same experience, but you have to change your entire playstyle depending on which items you get. So that that alone changes everything. Um, it's not necessarily you need to change this one minor aspect of how, what you did last time. It's I need to rethink exactly how I'm going about this. Like. Yeah, it's it's still a good game though. Still fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, I'll I'll segue straight into sound and art because we pretty much covered it all. But like, it was absolutely beautiful. It was hilarious. The design got me around every corner. Um. Uh. Oh shoot, I forgot to cover this. So one of the things I really liked about the game, actually, and this falls under gameplay still. Um, the game really allowed you, very similar to Superland, to, to learn organically how to be efficient. Um, there, when you walk up to doors, you'll you'll be able to read the noises behind the doors, and you won't necessarily understand what the noises are until you've experienced every enemy. But each enemy makes a unique noise. Um, yeah, that was a really clever mechanic. Yeah, so you'd walk up to the door and you'd see in like comic font, uh, like squish, 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 and then you'd know immediately that it was a blob monster or um, eventually you learn which ships will be, will have specific items. So if you're just looking to get money, you'll go to the giant regal ship. Um, Or if you're, you're looking to just get ammo, you'll go to the the combat oriented ship, stuff like that. So you can learn to be really efficient about your farming and survival. Um, So it does, it does, there's a lot, there's really smart level design there on top of everything else they do really intelligently. It's just, it really is just the gameplay loop itself that sort of stagnates later on. But yeah, so jump back to Superland, uh, because we've been on Void Bastards for a bit. You got anything else you want to add to the gameplay? I know you just covered the, the art and sound a little bit. Yeah, I, it's very open, like you you kind of ha- have a general objective as for a story objective get to this place and talk to this person kind of things but you can just wander around and it's been a while since i've played an open world game that really felt like that like it, it wasn't even though the game clearly has gated off areas that you can't access 
because you know you don't have the abilities to do that yet. It didn't feel like a lot of open world games I've played where, you know, like in you, I always think of like GTA with like oh all the bridges are out today and for the next week or however long it takes you to get to this point in the story. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with with Superland because it's a puzzle game, it, it almost felt like it, if I just knew how this puzzle worked, I could get there. Mm-hmm. It, it's not it's not an invisible wall put there. I mean it is because you don't have the thing that opens that door but you look at it i i bet you i i'm close to figuring this out and then eventually you get the item and then, you, then you're there in almost like a metroidvania way yeah i, I was wondering of, that if if you were just not smart enough or you didn't have the items that you need uh, sometimes it sometimes it was that you didn't have the items other times it was that you had them but the game hadn't encouraged you to figure out that you could use them in the right way right so like, and that was sometimes the, some of the more interesting revelations where you'd think back to areas where you'd seen a pink door to go back to my old example mm-hmm. and realizing like, I've had red keys this whole time that I could have just put down on the <laughs> ground and waited a minute and I could have opened that pink door at any time, but I didn't because it just, it, that configuration of set of influences and variables hadn't been presented to me yet so i would never have thought to try it yeah so that that made it feel even though it was kind of leading you down a general path of 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 puzzles it never felt like you were being railroaded yeah there's no right way to play the game yeah And, and because everything is kind of this organic exploration it doesn't feel like the, you don't feel like you're at a like, well, I can either solve this puzzle or stop playing <laughs> because this is the only thing to do. So that, that was good. I, I like I liked that aspect of it a lot. I, as far as the, the sound and art design, um, the, the style works really well. Everything kind of has this kind of clay, clay plasticky feel to it. Hmm. It's not like stop Thank animation, you. is it? No, no. It, it's just the uh, things are shiny. No, oh, okay. So it has a very toy-like feel to it. Okay, that's cool. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good art style throughout. Everything you know, there's a lot of. They did a very good job capturing what a giant world made by children would feel like. Mm. Oh, there's, there's not much else to say beyond that, as far as our, of, of design goes. It's yeah, pretty simple. So, so you very much like the, uh, the the childlike game design, is what I'm hearing from the two, two yes. only games that you liked. In the year 2019. It's, they're so visually distinct from so many other games coming out now. Yeah. Because like Yoshi and this one as well, they're not pixelated. They're not retro throwbacks. Mm-hmm. They're not you know, hyper-realistic. They're not, you know, it's just a, like, here is a very recognize or a unique and recognizable art design. Yeah. Something that's going to pop. And it's like, oh shit, bright colors in a, in a well-lit world. <laughs> yeah that's, that's sort of how i felt like when uh gato robato was like start coming out i was like man this, yeah this has been played pretty hard by now like this is a, such a unique style that's been played to death in the last year and a half yeah yeah and we were talking in chat earlier and that was another uh devolver game that did not get well reviewed you know it was just kind of middling i saw a lot of sixes and sevens yeah god damn shame all right. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. All right. Um, what else? I'll, I'll wrap up with Void Bastards by saying uh, a little bit more about the sound and art design. Um, like I said, the, the 2D animated perspectives of the enemies I thought was really cool because obviously it reminded me immediately of like fucking or the OG Doom where you're, just, mm. you're seeing like either like head on or like them running away. You basically only have like three different perspectives of them. And then like the, the rest are mirrored of those three perspectives. So like, it, it's really cool. You don't get to see that enough. There was another game that came out recently that I was excited to see them do that. That turned out to be kind of shitty. I forget the name of it. Um, anyway, was it, was it project warlock? No, no, that was the game we talked about. You said it was pretty good, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's they why I was that bringing too? it up. Oh. It, it, yeah, they had that. Oh, yeah. No, it's cool. I hope more games do that. Um, I, I liked that the, the each ship, uh, there was a, a variety of ships, like I'd mentioned before. Each one had unique 
you know, loots and, you know, room and level design. There was enough ships, unique ships that probably like six or seven hours into the game. I was like, oh, I haven't been on one of these before. So I, I thought that, that was that was cool. Um, you know, my favorite thing out of all the design of the game was was the goddamn star map music because it was, it was yeah. beautiful when you're when you're bouncing between ship to ship. Um, it's just like this, this beautiful, um, sort of, uh, it's like a synth wave music. And then every time you move, it sort of makes this nice, like ping, um, to the rhythm of the music. So it's like, and then you get like a boop, boop, boop. Every time you move is like, I, I probably spent like a good, like 45 minutes to an hour out of my total playtime, just diddling around, listening to music on the, the sound design of the game is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also like the, the enemies are all voice and they have hilarious voice lines too. Um, I know the blobs, like there's these little blue blobs with like fedora hats. And if you listen to them talk, they're, they're just like, they say weird things like, where's Barbara? And then you walk in <laughs> and then they explode as soon as you get near them. And they're like, what's happening? And then they explode. Oh God. Very, very cute game. Very fun. Um, I shouldn't say cute because it's very much a mature game. <laughs> very, very, uh, very adults only humor in many parts of it. Yes, <laughs> don't very much so. Don't let the comics fool you. There's a lot of a lot of death and gore. I think when you when you die, your backpack peels off of your body very grotesquely and walks away and <laughs> just like leaves this bleeding corpse on the ground. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I liked that conceit of it. The whole idea of being a rehydrated uh, prisoner. <laughs> yeah, and that was a really neat idea. Oh, God. The, the animation where it just pours the the, the dehydrated human into the ship's like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Cockpit. And it just dumps mm-hmm. water in and then you just sprout out. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of fun in this game. But yeah, uh, yeah. So overall, uh, I, I, it was really addictive while I was still really invested in the gameplay loop. Um, but it had uh, it was like too weak on the action part of the game. Like I, it didn't it didn't feel like the game marketed itself as so much as an action survival or a survival stealth game as it did sort of an actiony roguelike game. So I think I got a little bit of mixed messaging going into it, but overall I still Yeah, I made a lot of assumptions about it going in as far as what kind of game it was going to be. Yeah. Whether it was for marketing or just my own mistakes, but I ran into that same trap. Well, yeah, I mean, two two out of two game off hosts agree. Confusing. We yeah. we got confused leading into the game. Marketing or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun. If you like roguelikes, if you like first person shooters, um well, I shouldn't even say first-person shooters because that's probably the weakest part of the game. <laughs> watch a trailer. If you think it looks fun, it, it's because it is fun, at, at least for six to ten hours. After that, you might you might move on, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I could I could agree with all that. It's, it's a $20 game. It, I, I felt like I got my money's worth. Very happy with it um, for the short time I played. Yeah, what more do you guys want? Yeah. What more do you people want? Yeah. It's it's fine. So angry. It. All right. What are your what are your final thoughts on Superland? Superland is currently my game of the year. Oh, just I'm I'm willing to throw that out there right now. It is the best thing I've played this year, just yep. as far as sheer joy and enjoyment I've had in it. Um, I can if if you like first person puzzle games, I cannot recommend it enough. As long as you have you have the understanding, the caveat that like I'm fully admit the combat's kind of trash and not really necessary. <laughs> but if you can just kind of ignore it and just okay, yeah, I gotta fight things, whatever. Um, you think of it like the menu system in Skyrim. Like the menus are horrible and impossible to navigate, especially on PC. But yeah, you just get around it because the rest of the game is amazing. <laughs> I mean, if someone like you can forgive a game for having a bad UI, uh, that says it all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I UI is like the thing that I most care about in games. It's true. Guys. I don't care if it's fun or not, as long as it has a good, good usable UI. Oh, I think that's the thing true. I've complained to you most about games 100%. in the years that I've known you is is interacting with <laughs> the UI in one way or another. Yeah, everything that gets in the way of your gameplay. Uh, I'm surprised I just you play, play games game sometimes. 
like, boot up the menu and you're like, what the fuck is this? It disgusts me. This is why I love Excel so much. Because like I open it up and there's a spreadsheet. It's right there. Right there. The, well, you know, the curse is already in A1. Well, no. Yeah. That's <laughs> so why pre-2015. I, I don't inst- yeah, exactly. I only installed up to 2010. <laughs> Office, 20, Office 2010 was the best revision of, of uh, Excel. That's still my number one. That's my productivity suite of the year. <laughs> Every year since 2010. <laughs> Every year since 2010. It's still, nothing's beating it. Oh, uh, well, spoiler alerts for the last nine years of Office Off. <laughs> <laughs> the Yeah, it's uh, back to, you know, just to wrap up. It's great. Everything about it is well done. The humor is a bit cringy at times, but I don't care. It's puzzles. It's a, just amazing puzzles. Mm. It's so good. It, I can excuse so much for how well those puzzles were designed. <laughs> That's great. I will probably check it out at some point. That does sound down my alley. I hope so. And again, there's a demo on Steam, so I don't want to have anyone tell me that they wasted the money no. because of me, because go go play the demo, then it's not my fault. You think we're a bunch of pores, Andy? We're buying this site unseen. Like, good consumers. But I just, I just don't want... I don't want people saying, oh, I've spent, you got, you owe me the $20 because I spent, and you, you told me it was good and it wasn't. Yeah. Better start saving. I, I, inst- I installed the demo first. I played through it. And after about 10 minutes, like, I have to buy this game right now. I have yeah. to buy it. I have to own this. That's, yeah. that's a good way to go about buying games. Very smart. Yeah, I think so. All right. Let's rank these motherfuckers. Okay. I, I would say that for me, because I, right now we've got, uh, the highest ranked game that I've thrown on that list is Yoshi's Crafted World at number three. Mm-hmm. And I think this this goes above that. I think this is the best game I've played so far this year. Um, I think it is just masterful. Okay. So I would put it at the very least at number three. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can argue against my games too. Feel free. Well, you know, I think the difference is Devil May Cry 5, you didn't really have anything negative to say about it. Whereas I am presenting this with a lot of caveats. That, that's a fair point. I think that would have been my so argument I, I, if you did argue it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would say that this is I would say that this deserves to be the number three on our our list right now. Okay, I yeah, that sounds great to me. All right, what about you? This is a tricky one. This is a real tricky one. <laughs> we have we have a sweet spot here that I'm feeling that's between Anthem and Far Cry. I. I feel gross putting it below Anthem, but <laughs> I honestly had more fun with Anthem. I, and I ended up baby raging at Anthem towards the end of my experience with Anthem, but so didn't I with Void <laughs> Void Bastards. <sighs> I, I, I don't think I put it above Yoshi. It sounds like you really enjoyed that experience. Um, I did. But I put it above Anthem. Shit. I got to make a decision. No, I'm going to put it below Anthem. Above Far Cry. All right. So that that puts us with Void Bastards as number six on our list of games this year so far. Yeah. So six out of ten. These games that we've reviewed. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm gonna feel weird about this later in the year, but right now, like <laughs> I'm I'm still very much in the fuming phase of Anthem, and I still think that it's not as good as Anthem. So I I don't I don't know what that says about me. I don't know when the assassins are coming from the internet, but such is life. All right. I guess that uh, that just leaves us to thank everyone for listening and for subscribing to us and, and being awesome and uh, giving us your feedback. Yeah. We've been trying to incorporate that into the way that we do things. We'd love to hear from you guys. Sure. So if you have any any questions or that we don't we haven't done a viewer mail segment yet, but only because we haven't received it. <laughs> Not because we're against the idea, just because we haven't actually received any. So yeah. if you want to be featured in our next viewer mail segment, which could be as early as next episode. Yeah, even hate mail. Get I think we get a kick out of that. Even, if you, yeah, if you think we don't a, know what we're talking about, let us know. Yeah, if if you think that I was absolutely wrong and Apex Legends is actually fun, you're wrong. But you're welcome to let us know. <laughs> Incite the masses. 
and what, what's our emails? Is it gameoffpodcast at gmail.com? Gameoffpodcast at gmail.com. You can also direct message us on Facebook at gameoffpodcast, Twitter at gameoffpodcast, everywhere else at gameoffpodcast. Uh, be, yeah. be sure to like and subscribe on every possible form of media that you can find. Share with your your nephew's friends, your daycare landlord, your what, whatever. Print out our logo and stick it on stop signs like I see people doing with, with local bands. Yeah. Just do, do whatever you have to yeah, to get, get the that, word out. Please. We got a, pr- we got a pretty <laughs> good logo. I'd be, I'd, yeah. If I ever see that anywhere uh, that's how i know we'll, we'll have made it andy if you if you see signs. our logo on the side of any signs or buildings um or scrawled on a bathroom stall up at you know the arrest stop on the way up to Skowhegan, <laughs> take a picture and, and tweet at us tweet us the picture of our logo in a in a men's room in Skowhegan. very frequent do that our listeners <laughs> <laughs> all right do you know do you know what game you're doing next week i'm doing sekiro Oh, are you? Yes. Oh, are Wait, you? Are you? Are you? Me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'm. Uh, you know what? I'm doing bloodstained. Bloodstained. Oh shit! Bloodstained. All right, we got two that more relevant games. Yeah, and, and you know, two pretty hyped up games. Yeah, people are very excited about that. Both Japanese developed. Uh, both have uh, cute long haired anime boys, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. I love those pretty boys. Oh, me too. <laughs> Please look forward to uh, Otaku off in future. <laughs> All right. Fuck it. Let's get out of here. I'm Arcadia, A R K E Y D I A. Uh, I'm Solid Talker, S O L I T A L K E R. And uh, thank you to our producer, Divya, for all our hard work this week. Yes, and everyone else. Goodbye. Goodbye.